The Happy Even After Podcast. The Happy Even After Podcast. Divorce sucks, but it doesn't need to define you, and it doesn't need to be the end of your story. The Happy Even After Podcast. Meet your host, Renee Bauer, an award-winning divorce attorney, peacemaker, author, and founder of The D Course, an online divorce educational program. She's been doing this work for almost two decades, and she is passionate about helping all women make it out the other side. The Happy Even After Podcast. Let's jump in. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Happy Even After Podcast. And today we are going to be talking about becoming a boundary master with Terry Cole. Terry is a licensed psychotherapist, global relationship and empowerment expert, and the author of Boundary Boss, The Essential Guide to Talk True, Be Seen, and Finally Live Free. For over two decades, Terry has worked with a diverse group of clients that includes everyone from stay-at-home moms to celebrities and Fortune 500 CEOs. She has a gift for making complex psychological concepts accessible and actionable so that clients and students achieve sustainable change. She inspires over 450,000 people weekly through her blog, social media platform, courses, and her own popular podcast called The Terry Cole Show. And today we're talking all about boundaries. So welcome, Terry. Thanks for having me, Renee. All right. So let's just dive in here and let's talk about, you know, so many of my audience members are women who are going through a divorce who are trying to make the decision about whether they should go, should they stay? And every single one of us who has ever been through a divorce has hit the crossroad in our life where we're like, okay, what next? Which direction should we go? Do you have one of those moments? Do you have a crossroad moment? I have many because I'm <laughs> older than I look, but I actually, one, one big crossroad for me was changing careers in my thirties. So I reached a point, like I kind of reached to the I made it to the heap of the entertainment pile where I was a talent agent negotiating contracts for supermodels and celebrities. And I just kept thinking, I'm going to feel the way I want to feel with the next job, with the next famous person, with the next amount of money. And then I got kind of all the way to the top of that place in my early 30s because I was super ambitious and really worked hard. And I was like, wow, I still don't feel the way I want to feel. (laughs) And so I had a choice and I did something that most people in my life, I mean, It was my choice, but, you know, I went back to grad school in my early thirties at what my father considered the height of my career. (laughs) He's like, why would you do that? And that was a crossroads because I was like, I definitely don't want to do what I'm doing now for the rest of my life. And I was so inspired by my own therapeutic evolution. So I'd been in therapy since I was 19. I stopped drinking when I was 21. So I'd been in therapy since literally college. And that was what I was most lit up about. And I was like, this might be weird, but I'm going to grad school to become a psychotherapist. And that is what I did. And that was, you know, I've been a psychotherapist for about 25 years. So that was a long time ago, but I hope that it inspires people. You know, I always like to tell that story because it's like, it's never too late to create the life, the career, the relationship, the you that you want to be right? But it does require making hard decisions. Uh, I love that because so often, right? When you get to a certain age, you're like, well, that's it. Like, this is, this is what I do. And I'm stuck. I'm stuck in the marriage. I'm stuck at the job. I hate, like, I'm just stuck living where I live. This is just it. And it's not like, I don't know why we think that once we reach 
a certain age, like our life is over and it's predestined and we can't make any changes. Complete opposite of that. Love that. I think it's fear too, though, when you think about it, right? If we use that as an, if we say it's too late, well, then what, what do we get from that? Oh, we don't have to take action. So we can stay, even though we're not happy, let's say in a marriage, we can say it's too complicated and we're too this and we're too that. And we've got kids and all the reasons. And those are legit reasons. But if you're accepting that reality and you know, in your heart of hearts, it's over for you. With my therapy clients, I will say that if we're talking about it and they're thinking about divorce, before we even get into it, I just say, listen, being fully honest, if it's, when it's just you and you looking in the mirror, is it already done? Like for you, it, no matter what the hell happens, is it already actually over? Because most of the time, most of us stay so much longer than we should. And by the time we're even admitting it to ourselves, we're kind of like, yeah. That ship sailed about three years ago. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's important that people know that this is a really common experience and that there's nothing wrong with you, right? If you have this experience, you can still love the person that you're married to and not want to stay married to them. And there's nothing, you know, like you're not a bad person for doing that, trying to handle it the best that you can. Of course, that's another story. I would have clients who would be feel so trapped in their marriage that I could see them. They're literally talking to me about having an affair. Like I know what's coming and I keep saying, listen, I, and listen, it's no judgment. My mother had an affair. Like it's not about judgment. It's about, it doesn't have to go down like that. That's all. But for some people it does Mm -hmm. because I feel like in my mother's case, it's not like she was a repeat offender. This was one experience, but she needed to get out of that marriage so desperately that the only way she could do it was by like literally torturing the village. That's yeah. true for some people, but because your soul just has to get out, but you can't figure out how to do it through a conversation or you don't know how to draw boundaries or you don't know how to communicate effectively, but you still got to get out. So anyway, there, there's hope either way is what I'm saying. <laughs> so speaking of torching a village, what does it mean to be a boundary disaster? Cause you speak about that on your podcast and in your book and on social media. What is that? It really just means not knowing how to assert your boundaries. And what that looks like to me and my definition of it is your boundaries, your personal boundaries. It's like your own personal rules of engagement that lets other people know what's okay with you. And what's not okay with you, but it means that you must know your preferences, your limits, and your deal breakers. And you must have the ability to communicate them because just thinking them is not setting a boundary. So if you are a boundary disaster, like I was certainly for all of my twenties, it means you either don't know those things or you don't have the skills to assert what you do know, because you're too afraid, because you have the disease to please, because you were raised and praised for being a self-abandoning codependent, as I like to say, because most women, I don't care what country <laughs> you were raised in. I mean, I've had women from 192 countries come through my courses and never once were they like, oh my God, my mother taught me how to assert my boundary. Like literally nobody yeah. knows. It's like a language. So that's what a boundary disaster is. So what do you do, though, when you have someone, and usually it's a spouse, sometimes it's a 
boss or coworker, someone who just doesn't have any boundaries or doesn't respect your boundaries. So in particular, like I'm thinking of a relationship where they're so used to you being a boundary pushover that when you assert yourself, because I see this all the time with the, the woman that I work with too, and all of a sudden they decide to assert themselves and now their spouse doesn't know what to do with that. And they give them such a hard time that they kind of retreat back to being that boundary pushover. Like, what do you do with that? Well, part of it is the whole process that I teach in my courses and in the book, this is a process where we go in before we go out. So we need this deep understanding of specifically, why do I relate to boundaries the way that I do? Was it modeled behavior? Is it the country, the culture, the familial culture, right? The cultural norms that I grew up with what was my role in my family? Am I a codependent? Am I an empath? Am I a highly sensitive person, right? There's all of these things that make up what I call your boundary blueprint. So having an understanding that you are the way you are for a million really good reasons. So there's nothing wrong with you. The way that you related probably in childhood was adaptive. Those things become maladaptive in adulthood. So long way around the barn, to get to answering your actual question, which is we put people in categories. So you have the boundary first timers, which are people that you have not asserted a boundary with, with words. So you can't say they should know. You can't say, well, I mean, I hinted enough. It really has to be that you have made a very clear and concise boundary request to that person. If you have not done that, then they are a boundary first timer. Then we have the repeat offenders, which is what you're talking about, where people who you do assert your boundary and they either try to talk you out of your no by being like, you say no. And they go, oh, come on, just think about it. You're like, nope, you asked, I answered. That's my final answer. I mean, I had someone say to one of my clients after final answer came out, they were like, as they were leaving her apartment, they were like, okay, so you'll sleep on it tonight and we'll talk about it tomorrow. She's like, hi, what part of no are you not getting? And that's where you have to reassert yourself. When you're talking about being in a long-term relationship with someone, you already have an established boundary dance with that person. When you change the steps to that dance, oh, hey, they're going to notice. That doesn't mean abort the mission. That just means they're going to notice. And you can learn how to assert boundaries always with kindness, with love. You can stay lovingly connected to your person, even if they're reacting, right? But what I teach you is to expect a little pushback. They're going to be like, you're not the person I married. I can't believe how selfish you are. Why now? It used to be okay. You're like, hi, because I've changed. That's why. Because I've grown. I love when people say, you've changed as if it's an insult. You're like, yeah. Did you think I was going to stay the way I was when I was 19 while I'm 50? I hope not, you know, but we can have the conversations where we're sort of enrolling our partner and even telling the truth about what's going on. Like, hey, I'm really working on being more honest in the moment or in asking for what I really want. And you know, that's challenging for me. So I would love it if you could support me as I'm doing this, because I'm not going to do it like so smooth because it's new, but it's still important to me, you know? So there's ways that we can Mm. get our person with us. It's not like boundaries don't mean that you're against them, right? 
Because remember, in my estimation, boundaries are you knowing your preferences. Because what you prefer matters. Your limits, because your limits matter. Your deal breakers, because they matter. And nobody can tell you what those three things are or what they should be but you. And you will have people, if you've been more of a pushover, more of a chameleon, more of a peacekeeper when it comes to boundaries, you will have people being like, wait a minute, what's happening? Usually I say, let's go here to eat. And you go, okay, I'm easy breezy, whatever you want. When you start asserting yourself, people will be like, wow, well, okay. Some people will be very happy about it. Some people will think it's an inconvenience Mm -hmm. for them, Mm -hmm. but this is part of the way when you think about it, if you say yes, when you want to say no, if you say I'm easy breezy, when the truth is you'd really prefer to eat Mexican food instead of Japanese food or whatever, are you really being nice? Or are you really just giving corrupted data to the people in your life so they don't even friggin' know you? Trust me, you're doing that because it isn't nice to say yes when you want to say no. But what it does do is it helps you avoid conflict. I mean, think about it. How much of the time when you were younger and maybe still, do you think like, I don't want that person to think I'm not nice? The myths around boundaries, how many people say, well, you know, I just don't want to be a, have people think I'm bitchy, let's just say right? Or that I'm mean. I'm like, how is asserting your preference being mean? It's literally letting people know what you prefer. And it doesn't mean they always acquiesce to what you want, but how can you ever get your needs met if you don't talk about them? And if you don't share them, and if you just assume that you should put everyone else's needs and wants and desires above your own, you know what I mean? Coming at you this spring, the She Who Wins Summit is my first live event. There is no other event like it out there. It's not a stuffy, boring conference. The She Who Wins Summit is a day-long event for women who are ready to up-level their life. This event will inspire you. This event will motivate you. This event will move you. Are you ready to supercharge your self-belief and ignite your soul? Join us. For more information, check out www.shewhowins.com. Hope to see you there. Yeah. And, you know, what I think of is when you're doing that, there's so much resentment that builds. And once you go down the road of resentment, it is really hard to come back from that. Oh, that is such a great point. I always say it is a one-way ticket to bitter land. And like, there's literally no more stops on that train. Eventually. You will be angry, especially if you're overgiving, if you are prioritizing everyone else above yourself, Mm -hmm. because even if people are grateful, you know, Renee, even if they are, they can never be grateful enough because you're giving from a place of fear. You're not giving from a place of equanimity and love, right? We don't want to be rejected. We don't want them to be mad. That's not choice. That is a compulsion or that's fear. Yeah. So I have to, this is totally a selfish question because you specifically talk about boundaries in reference to business owners. Now I'm a business owner and you say that for business owners to be successful, there needs to be clean agreements. And so what does that mean? It means that do not make assumptions that other people are like you or have the same ideas that you have. So clean agreements mean if you're an entrepreneur, and you, uh, you hire people to work for you, that you have an onboarding process that is so clear. What you expect from that person 
is so clear that you set them up to succeed or you set them up to not take the job if what you expect is not what they want to deliver. I also have all of these ways for you to let people know your clients and the people who you work for, or they work for you. Like, what is the best way to get in touch with you? Like with my team, we all do voice notes because that's my preference, right? And it's my company. So it doesn't matter if it's not their preference. I don't care how they communicate with each other. We're on Slack, but I want to do voice notes. We're all on Boxer because that is my preferred way. It's faster. It's easier. I can do it anywhere. But anyone who is on my team, they know that. They download that app. They know this is how we're going to communicate. They also know we work on East Coast time. So even if you live on the West Coast, I hope you're an early riser because you're not going to want this job. It's not me worrying about what time it's nine o'clock for you. It's you worrying about it for me. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to if you have clients, right, where you have a business where you actually have clients, you have clear agreements. Everything is signed. So when you have a difficult client who's like, they're trying to add things that are outside of what you've already agreed to, then you can so easily say, oh, hey, listen, as of our you know, paragraph 6B of our agreement, that is actually outside of what we've agreed to. And I'm happy to do it, but I'll have to give you a, an estimate on what it would be, how much additional. If you're a therapist, right? It's having a cancellation policy in place that when you have a new client, you give them, here, I'm sending you my welcome packet. It's an intake form. And it's basically my rules of engagement, right? If you don't give me 24 hours, you're going to pay full for that session. That's how it is. If you don't like that, you can find another therapist. And I think that there's something about being so clear up front that sets you up to succeed and sets everyone else up to succeed. Because you know when it's hard to talk about a 24-hour cancellation policy? When you've mentioned it once, eight months ago, it's not in writing. And then the person starts canceling day of. And then you're like, should I mention it? I'm not sure if they know. I feel bad. Why do you feel bad? This is your policy, you know? Yeah, yeah. So good. And everything you said, I'm like, oh, I made that mistake. Oh, I made that mistake too. So <laughs> I've definitely done yeah. all of the things wrong and now have everything in place to address all of that. Because it's like you make the mistake once, twice, three times. It's like, oh, shit, I better, I better set some boundaries. I better put some process in place so this doesn't keep happening. So good. Exactly. And trust me, I've made them all myself. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Terry, narcissists are like a buzzword. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone thinks their spouse is one. I don't necessarily <laughs> buy into that, but I do think that when you're going through a divorce or you're in a, or in a particularly difficult, high conflict relationship, those tendencies and those qualities that maybe someone isn't necessarily a narcissist, maybe they're just a jerk come mm -hmm. out. But how do you assert boundaries when you have someone who is so high conflict? Well, I call those people boundary destroyers. And I have an entire chapter in the book dedicated to them because everything I teach you in the book before that chapter, that does not apply to boundary destroyers. Because if you're dealing with someone with a cluster B personality disorder, could be narcissism, could be histrionic, could be bipolar, you know, there's a bunch of things. Or like you said, just a very difficult manipulative jerk. We could just use plain language too. <laughs> The right way, right? The proper way when you're dealing with someone where there's mutuality and they don't have that, that doesn't work with those people. So what you have to be aware of is the most common manipulation tactics, emotional manipulation tactics that those folks use, because as much as everyone is individual, the truth is there's a couple of very well-worn out 
emotional manipulation tactics, and especially if you're getting a divorce. So first and foremost, do not broadcast your intention. Keep your cards really close to your chest. Figure out all the things you need to do if you think that your spouse is vindictive and will be if you serve them with papers or plan to leave, but also be aware of the manipulation. A lot of times, especially if someone is a narcissist or has some other mental health disorder, that gaslighting, where they are denying your reality, they will say to your face, that never happened. I did not say that, even though they absolutely did. So you have to be aware, take notes, write things down, But what I want to inspire you to do is to question someone else's behavior. They'll also do this thing where there's like mock concern for you. But what they're really trying to do is tell you they think you're nuts by being like, hey, I mean, are you okay? I'm really worried about you. I'm really worried about you. And then they'll also say things like, you know, I wasn't going to say anything, but Bob also said he thought you were kind of off the rails. Are, Are you okay? Like saying other people think you're nuts. They think you're nuts, but they're doing it in this like fake concern way. What other things? Oh, there's just so many, but those are the things that are more important. And I think with narcissists, the gray rock method, which you've probably heard of, or maybe you haven't, but this is just becoming very boring to a narcissist because really there's nothing they hate more than being bored. So for them, the narcissistic supply is the conflict. Sadly, it's your pain. It's really twisted. I mean, it is, it's it's scary. But so if you know that, and if you really think you're with a narcissist, become bland and boring, uninteresting. If they're like, I can't, did you wear that to work today? Say, I did, (laughs) right? Give nothing because it is the, they're always going to be trying to provoke you. And for whatever reason, that fuels them, makes them know they're alive in some way. So be really clear. And you can do your own research. Like if you're wondering, because really, even in the book, I'm like, listen, we're not like diagnosing all the people with all the things, but you can become incredibly aware of the most common emotional manipulation tactics. And love bombing is another one where Everything is perfect. You're amazing. Things are great, especially in the beginning of a relationship. But this can also be a cycle of abuse where it comes back to the place it was in the beginning when you thought it was too good to be true. And then once you were hooked, you realized, oh, it was too good to be true because suddenly they say that mean thing that there's the pivot in the road. And you're like, oh my God, what happened to that? My most amazing, perfect, you know, twin flame, right? And then you're stuck. So there's something to really be aware of if you're in a relationship, especially the beginning of one, and it's fast and furious, and they're like, I can't wait to fly you to Paris, or do you want to go to a wedding with me in two years from now, like making all these future plans, they want to introduce you to their family, they're saying how perfect you are. This is really intoxicating. Somebody love bombing you is super intoxicating, but if the person is moving very fast, I think you can just... I think you can just sort of pump the brakes a little bit because here's the thing. If your relationship is good, if it's really good, if that's the real thing, you know what? It'll be good in six weeks from now. There's no reason you need to move in with this person in the first month. And if they're pushing you to, that's telling you something is up. My, when my clients would say like, no, it's just perfect. And so we're just going to do this thing. It's like they've known the person two weeks or a month. I'm like, hey man, what's the rush? Because if it's really the real thing, 
two months from now, eight months from now, it'll still be good. You'll still feel this way. So, yes. So that's so important advice for, especially women who are just getting out of a divorce and they start dating again. And I think that so many times you see that you have that love bombing and they love the attention and it's that's that slow down, slow down and wait, give yourself the space. I mean, it's just such great advice. So Terry, let's talk about your, your book boundary boss. Who did you write this book for? All of my clients. I wrote it for myself, right? I wrote it from because of my experience in my 20s and how much pain it caused me to have no ability <laughs> to draw boundaries and speak truthfully and how exhausting it was, but really my clients. And over the years, once I became a therapist and I started seeing clients, I kept seeing the same thing over and over, the same things that were causing my clients pain and distress. And all of that came back to the inability to assert healthy boundaries, to tell people what your preferences, what your limits, what your deal breakers are. And that's really who it's for anyone. I mean, it's written more towards someone who identifies as a woman, but I have so many men who've read it. You want to understand your person if you're heterosexual? This book is for you, but I've also had straight men and uh, homosexual men read this and say, I got so much out of it. So I feel like it's really for anyone who feels like their boundaries could use some help. Yeah. I I mean, everyone's boundaries could use some help. I feel like, especially with like our phones at our fingertips and that there aren't boundaries anymore. And it's like, if you don't respond to something immediately, then you get like inundated with, with the follow-up. And it's just like, there's so many areas in our life that we need boundaries. So you are awesome. I know that you have a special gift for my listeners. You want to share what that is? I sure do. Hold on. We are going to be talking about boundaries and codependency. So it's a gift. It's actually a video and it's a downloadable PDF so that you can really look at it and figure out where are you sort of in the spectrum? Because this is something that even though we hear a lot about codependency, honestly, I find that most people have literally no idea what it actually is. So with this gift, you will know what it is. So you're going to get that at boundaryboss.me forward slash happy. Perfect. Everyone needs to grab that. It's entirely free. So there's no reason not to to go on there and grab that free resource. So final question, actually two questions. One, where can we connect with you? Well, my website is terrycole.com. That's T-E-R-R-I-C-O-L-E. On Instagram, that's really where I hang out the most. It's just at Terry Cole. I also have a podcast, The Terry Cole Show. So if you like this or you want to learn more about mental health stuff, go there. Check it all out. Okay. So final question now for real is what is the final takeaway that you want to leave my listeners with in regards to setting really healthy boundaries? That you deserve to have healthy boundaries, because if you don't, the people who you love the most won't really know you. And how can anyone authentically love you if they don't authentically know you? And you are so worthy of being known. Oh my God. I love that. So it's not only a gift for yourself, but it's a gift for all of the people in your life who you love. Indeed. So good. Thank you, Terry, so much for being here. I loved this conversation. Everyone needs to grab a copy of her book, Boundary Boss. You can get it on all of your major book selling platforms, Amazon, your bookstores, all of the places. So go grab a copy. It is so good. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. That's a wrap. 
Link up with us at MsReneeBauer.com. Remember to rate and review and share with anyone you think might find this episode helpful. You can change your story and live happy even after. Oh.